Hello and welcome to Queer View Mirror on 3RRR. We are a show based in Nam, Melbourne, Australia, and we talk about all things queer and trans culture. You're with Gemma Caffarella, Hamish McLaughlin, and Sam Elkin. We want to start by acknowledging that this recording and podcast takes place on the stolen and unceded land of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. We pay our deep respects to elders past and present. Bringing you now an interview that I did recently with Whit Gorry. Whit Gorry is a social worker who is one of the founders of the recently created Trans Incarcerated Prisoners Fund to help trans and gender diverse prisoners while in prison and to help them not go into prison in the first place. Welcome to the show, Whit. We're so grateful to have you. Do you want to start by telling us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, sure. Thanks, Sam. Yeah, so my name's Whit Gorry. I am a white social worker who's based at Flat Out. I'm currently on Gunai country, South Gippsland. I have a social worker for 10 years now and my work has predominantly been supporting and working alongside people who are incarcerated or criminalised. And a big part of my work these days is providing support to trans and gender diverse people who are incarcerated or at risk of incarceration and also post-release support. I am also a transgender person myself. So do we know how many trans and or gender diverse people are incarcerated in Victoria? The data that Corrections has, which they haven't really ever released to anyone, I have my own ideas of numbers, but in saying that, it's actually really, really hard to determine that because for trans and gender diverse people, it's often not safe to be out in prison, so a lot of people aren't out. So the the people that Corrections are aware of are people that are out, so that's just a small number. So, yeah, it's a really hard thing to answer because of the safety issues that prisons pose for trans and gender diverse people. And can you tell us a bit about the safety issues for trans and gender diverse people in prison? Prisons are not safe environments for anyone. The fact is that they are, they're founded on obviously punishment and they're, they're violent institutions historically and continually. For trans people, for trans and gender diverse people in the community anyway, where, you know, much greater risk of experiencing violence and harassment and discrimination, when you place that into the context of a prison, it it's really amplifies and it's added the structural factors as well going on in those environments. For example, the overwhelming majority of trans women, who are the majority of, of trans people currently in custody, I would argue Australia-wide, but certainly in Victoria, are placed in men's prisons, which poses a whole bunch of high-risk factors, predominantly around physical, psychological and sexual violence. The majority of people that I support have come into custody already in poverty, already experiencing homelessness, disconnected from family, so don't have some of the supports that other people inside may have. There's also the facts around the lack of healthcare, which is an issue for every person in custody, but there's particular issues for trans people in terms of access to hormones and gender-affirming healthcare, in addition to the lack of mental health supports available as well. So there's all there's a whole bunch of issues that are that all people in prison face, but are particularly amplified and particularly unique for trans people when they're in custody. And what kind of things do you think can be done to improve the situation? 
not locking up people in prison is probably a good start. Mm -hmm. Putting support in place to prevent people ending up in custody in the first place. So when we look at the trajectory for so many people, but particularly when, you know, when looking at the trajectory of so many trans people that end up in prison, issues that relate to, to poverty, to not being able to access employment, to not being able to participate in community safely, not able to access safe housing, experiences of violence, family violence, domestic violence, drug and alcohol use as forms of self-medicating due to impacts of transphobia and mental health impacts due to transphobia and other forms of intersecting violence as well. Many of the people that I support are also Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people or people of colour who are also trans. So there's added factors of in terms of racism and other forms of structural violence that impact trans people when there's multiple intersecting forms of oppression. So there's all those factors. But when we actually look at ways, there's no ways of really making a prison safe for anyone. So what we really need to be focusing on is preventing people from going into that system and keeping people out of that system and obviously trying to keep supports in place while people are inside so people are as safe as possible and also alive. But the reality is is that the, the work really needs to begin with putting good supports in the community so that people don't end up on that trajectory to prison. And what can we do for the people that are already inside? One of the things that myself and a group of people started October last year, put a call out to the community to community support fund for trans and gender diverse people who are incarcerated or recently released back into the community. And that provides financial material aid to trans and gender diverse people who need it, who have been incarcerated. And that's one way the community, been a huge amount of support, but in a way that that support can be continued. That looks like in practice for us. There's a committee of us who are all trans and gender diverse identified or queer with lived experience of being in prison or have family who have been in prison or are supporting people who are in prison. And we've been able to provide things like assisting people topping up their prison account so that they can make phone calls because, like, it's ten dollars to make one phone call um, wow. while in prison, or it's like I think it's like nine, just on it's maybe like nine dollars. So most people get paid when they work work that they do in prison. It's about thirty dollars a week. You divide that by a full time, it's like it's nothing an hour really. It's like a, a dollar an hour or something ridiculous. If you've got different people you want to call that's like three phone calls maybe like three and a half phone calls so people don't have much resources inside if they don't also have family or friends able to send in money and a number of the people that we provide support to don't have that either their family are not in a financial position to assist them or they're disconnected from family and support that could send in money so that they can write letters, they can make phone calls to family and legal supports and even trying to facilitate housing and those sorts of things for release is really tricky if you can't make phone calls. So one of the things we do that also assists with people called buy-ups, which is like buying your, say, like toiletries, bras and underwear, any kind of like resources like that, you need to have money in your account to do that. So that's one of the things we do. We also provide support when people are getting out. So the fund is nationwide. So we've been able to send money up trans people that have been released up in Sydney to buy white goods and set up their place after they're getting out, been able to provide financial assistance just last week to a trans woman who was facing sleeping on the street and we were able to put her up for a week and a half in a hotel in crisis accommodation 
until she was able to be linked in with a housing provider who's now assisting her. So there's things like that that the fund's been able to do, which has been amazing, and that's all because of community support. Yeah, so the fund is a there's a GoFundMe, but we also have a bank account that payments can be made into. You know, we did the GoFundMe as like a Kickstarter because what we hope is that we can sustain this and make it a fund that people can access as they need in the years to come. Hopefully we see less trans people in custody, but at this point it doesn't look like that's going to happen anytime soon. So we want to make sure there's resources to support people while they're inside and when they're coming out to hopefully prevent them ever going back into that system. Yeah, so that's one of the ways. So if people want to donate, where do they do that on the GoFundMe page? Yeah, yeah. So yeah, there's a GoFundMe page. So if you Google Incarcerated Transgender Diverse Community Fund, that will come up and be added, I don't know, on the website or something. I think I think um, we might be able to do that. Yep. Can also provide the direct deposit details people want to avoid the gofundme fees yeah but that's probably the easiest way to do the gofundme just about to get our website up as well so that'll be up in the next month or so we'll provide direct way to get all the information because at the bottom of the gofundme there's also a form that anyone out there can complete on behalf of or send to someone who's incarcerated so that they can request financial assistance Oh, that's great. Well, thank you for telling us about that and thank you for the work that you do for this section of the community that we don't hear a lot about. Is there anything that you would suggest that people read or look out for if they want to know more about this issue other than your website that's not quite ready yet? I think there's definitely some really good writing out there. If people are interested, people like Dean Spade, for example, do some brilliant writing in the state there's not a huge amount of content here in the Australian context although I know there's some research being undertaken at the moment organizations that do provide support to people who are incarcerated like sisters inside and flat out and that also includes support for trans people inside I think there's a much bigger conversation happening at this point in time and particularly last year in 2020 with the Black Lives Matter movement it really put a spotlight on the ways in which we have relied on prison system to supposedly address harm in our community. And when we actually look at the impact of that, we see that actually it doesn't really address the root causes of harm and actually perpetuates harm. You know, it's, it's using a violent institution to address issues of violence and, and harm in our society, which doesn't really logically make sense. So that movement's really put a spotlight on that and kind of asked the question of the, the acceptance of, of the prison in our society um, and the ways that the prison has really been targeted against, particularly black and brown communities and trans people and, and trans people of colour, and especially here in the Australian context, Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people. You know, there's so much writing about it out there i'd always just say to people you should really just start with angela davis our prisons obsolete if you really want to delve into a critique of the prison system and get some foundation history of the prisons and how they've come to be that's probably a good starting place yeah please donate to the fund if you have the means that'd be amazing well thanks for your time today wit and good luck with the fundraiser thanks sam